0: Lord Jesus, you are worthy. As we see in Revelation 5, worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Lord Jesus, there is no one in this universe like you. And today we are gathered here to worship you. We confess that we, as we come here this morning, our minds and our lives are pulled in so many different directions. We get so easily distracted. Yet, Lord, you are are to be the focal point of our lives. There is no one in this universe who compares to you, and there is nothing in this life that compares to the greatness of knowing you. And I pray that as we open your scriptures together this morning, that you will be teaching us how we can live in ways that honor and glorify you to a greater and greater degree, both as individuals and as a church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Now, for the next two weeks, we are taking a break from our Sacred Sorrow sermon series. Next week, we're going to be welcoming one of our newer missionaries to come visit us here at Freedens. Their names are Adam and Libby, and they have four daughters. We have been partnering with them for almost a year now. They serve in the Middle East, and the place where they serve in the Middle East is so sensitive that we are not publicly saying what their last name is in a way that could be broadly disseminated. Like we are, I'm not going to say it now on the sermon that's going to be recorded and put on the website. And also next week, when he, Adam shares with us what's going on in their ministry, they, we're not going to be recording that sermon either. Because we're not going to put it on the website just for their safety, for their security of their family and also of their ministry. So we encourage you to be here next week to be able to hear them in person. It's going to be very inspiring to hear from Adam about their ministry over in the Middle East. Now, today we're doing something that we do periodically here at Freedom Church, where we're taking a step back from our normal sermon series and really focusing on why do we do what we do as a church? What is the goal for which we are aiming? What is the mission to which God has called us? And with that in mind, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to two different places this morning. First of all, put a finger or bookmark over in Colossians 1, and then turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 contains Jesus' very last words on this earth before he ascended into heaven. He has gathered his followers, his disciples, and he gives them a mission. We know it as the Great Commission. But this is a mission for all of Jesus' followers, both back then and still today, all the way up to that point when Jesus returns at some point in the future. So I invite you to follow along in Matthew 28 as I pick up in verse 18 with the Great Commission says that Jesus came and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this passage begins to reveal to us the centrality of disciple-making. I mean, look here at Jesus' called to make disciples. He says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Now in that passage, the main verb, the main action, is to make disciples. If you were to look at it grammatically, you'd see there's one main verb and there are three participles. Participles support the main verb. The participles in this passage are going and baptizing and teaching. Now, going and baptizing and teaching are important aspects of making disciples, but they are not the main focus. They all help support the main goal of making disciples. So Jesus is calling his followers, which includes us here in the 21st century, to make disciples. Make disciples. That means that making disciples is to be front and center of everything that we are and everything we do, both as a church and even as individuals as well. Make disciples. So with that call in mind, I invite you now to turn over to Colossians chapter 1, where we're going to see Paul's passion to make disciples. Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, Paul writes, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works Within me. And so this passage reveals for us Paul's passion to make disciples. Paul had devoted himself wholeheartedly to helping the people around him grow as maturing followers of Jesus. He says that he is toiling toward that end, that he is struggling. And I picture in my mind as he writes this an athlete who is working through a very difficult workout. Because an athlete working through a hard workout, they are straining. They're exerting themselves. There may be some significant discomfort in that. But they're doing that with the ultimate goal of growing stronger, of gaining more endurance, of getting healthier perhaps, of performing better in their sport. They have a goal they are aiming towards and they are straining and toiling toward that goal. And Paul says he is doing the same thing. That Jesus, he's basically saying, calls us to make disciples. And Paul is all in. Now there's something very important to recognize in verse 29. is that Paul, as he's doing this, he's not depending on his own strength. Yes, he is working hard. Yes, he is. He is exerting himself. Yes, he is sacrificing a lot. The reality is ministry can be very challenging. And Paul sacrificed so much in his ministry. I mean, he was sacrificing his time. He was sacrificing financially. He sacrificed his comfort and his safety. He was sacrificing his reputation. He was sacrificing even his future. He was doing this with the goal, as it says That we may present everyone mature in Christ. And again in verse 29 it says he's not doing this through his own strength. And he says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Whose energy? Earlier in the passage we see it's Christ. All his energy that he powerfully works within me. So it's Christ's energy through the power of the Holy Spirit who is empowering Paul to push forward In his ministry. And so we see that Paul is passionate about making disciples. In verse 28, it says that we proclaim Christ warning everyone. So he's warning people on the wrong ways to live, on the ways to live that do not honor and follow Jesus. And then instead, he is teaching everyone with all wisdom. He's he's instructing them this is how to live in the way that God designed you, this is how you live in a way that glorifies God, that helps you to align. With his intent for you as his follower. So he is teaching people. He's admonishing and warning people. But we have to understand one thing about Paul. That he was much more than merely a teacher or a preacher. Yes, he did those things. But those were means to an end. And he did so much more than merely teaching and preaching. He invested personally in the people around him. He loved on them, he shared his life with them, he modeled to them what it looks like to live a mature as a mature follower of Jesus. He, he was investing in them with the greatest intentionality he possibly could. And I love Paul's intentionality in his efforts to make disciples. I want to turn our focus just for a moment over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9 shows Paul's intentionality and really his passion to make disciples. Picking up in 1 Corinthians 9, and verse 19, Paul writes, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. So he wants to win them to Christ, to grow them in their faith. He says, To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. But he's saying, I want to remove every single barrier possible that may hinder someone from becoming a follower of Christ. He's being so intentional to go out there, and as he's ministering to people, he's meeting people where they are, but he doesn't want them to stay where they are. He he says, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some. So he's meeting people where they are, but his goal is that they would grow as mature followers of Jesus. Him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone, With all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so we see Paul's passion here for making disciples. Paul is deeply dedicated to making disciples. And it begs the question for us, because Jesus' call to make disciples still stands, should we not apply the same level of passion and dedication to making disciples? I mean, should we not be as intentional and dedicated making disciples as Paul was? And I I would say, without a doubt, yes, we should. I mean, this has been my passion for the last 20 years, including 10 years of serving here at Freedoms Church. and, And we want to be intentional. We want to be dedicated in making disciples. This is to be the focal point and the purpose of everything that we do. This is absolutely fundamental to our purpose. But it begs a question, another question. What is a disciple? We're talking a lot about disciples. Even in the children's message, we clarified a little bit that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. But, but if we really get down to it, what is a disciple? Or if you word that question a different way in accordance with Colossians chapter 1, what does Christian maturity look like? This is absolutely fundamental. I think of Vince Lombardi, you know, the classic uh, Packers coach. He, he developed a tradition That on the first day of training camp every year, he would stand in front of his players. He would hold up one of these and say, gentlemen, this is a football. I mean, it might sound kind of pedantic. It might sound kind of childish because, you know what, we all here know this is a football. How much more do professional football players know this is a football? But the reason they did that, saying, gentlemen, this is a football, was he was reminding them, gentlemen, we are going to focus on the fundamentals of football. We're going to focus on, on implementing and executing the fundamentals of football well, because that is how we win. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we were able to say very clearly, this is a disciple. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. This is fundamentally what discipleship is. It would be great to have that type of clarity, wouldn't it? Because if we want to make disciples and be faithful to God's call in our lives, we need to know what we're aiming for. Because if you, I mean, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time the saying goes. And we aren't aiming at nothing, but it's still helpful to know, okay, where are we aiming? How do we know if we're actually progressing along this journey toward Christian maturity, whether as individuals or in our ministry as a church? And sort of help gain at least a, a significant degree of clarity of what is a disciple, what does Christian maturity look like. One of the things we've done as a church is to identify 15 core characteristics of Christian maturity. These all come from scripture, I mean, they've been distilled down through the years, just trying to clarify what are the characteristics that we, they would show, okay, someone is growing in Christian maturity. We've identified 15 that revolve around three different phrases. That, that, that are related to growing as a follower of Jesus. The first phrase is humbly receiving the gospel by faith. And two of the characteristics under that are that someone who's maturing as a Christian needs to understand the gospel message and to trust in Christ alone for salvation. I mean, that is absolutely fundamental in terms of being a mature follower of Christ. But it doesn't end there. Being a mature follower of Jesus also means that we are joyfully submitting to God's transforming work in our lives. Now, you may be taking notes. I mean, don't worry if you don't get them all down there right on our website in the about portion under our discipleship process. But, but submitting to God's transforming work in our lives includes embracing the cost of discipleship, living a lifestyle of repentance, depending on Jesus daily, pursuing healthy, edifying relationships, internalizing God's truth, embodying Christ-like character, stewarding our resources, and worshiping God as a lifestyle. Now finally, being a mature disciple requires generously investing in others' spiritual growth. This includes representing Christ with grace and wisdom, verbalizing the gospel with confidence, competence, and respect, serving others selflessly, prioritizing intentional relationships, and supporting Global missions. Again, if you want to study with these more, and we have detailed descriptions for each one, they're right on our website in the about portion under discipleship process. But this is an effort to help clarify what is disciple? Because if we want to make disciples, we need to know what are we aiming for? How do we know if we're progressing toward that goal? And so even taking this a step further, we've clarified the discipleship pathway which applies these core characteristics in age and developmentally appropriate ways. And that deeply shapes how we organize our ministries in terms of the goals of each ministry, the goals of each age-grouped class, the content of each class, the content of Ignite, the content of our midweek student ministry. Because we want to be intentional and dedicated to making disciples. I mean, as Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Now, as a church, we want to be intentional in everything that we are doing. That everything we are doing helps to support that goal of making disciples. That's one of the reasons that we are regularly analyzing what are we doing, are the ways that we can um, improve the fruitfulness of what we are doing here at Freedom Church. That's why we are frequently tweaking various ministry activities just because we want to be as fruitful as possible. The gospel does not change. And God's truths in Scripture do not change, but the way that we apply them does shift over time just because culture changes and and just various things change. So we want to apply this never-changing gospel, this never-changing Scripture to an ever-changing culture to be fruitful in making disciples. And this intentionality of making disciples is even one of the reasons for our building process that we are in right now. I mean, we looked over the years at the fact that there are mo- people with mobility limitations. Cannot get downstairs. That, that, for one, prevents them from being able to attend classes they want to attend. So we're installing an elevator. We also recognize the fact that there are not enough toilets and urinals in the bathrooms at times. And that those with wheelchairs particularly struggle in the bathrooms. So we are expanding the bathrooms. So we are adding a family bathroom as well, which will be a benefit for many people. Speaking of bathrooms, we realized that the nursery desperately needs a bathroom attached to it. And on top of that, there are times where our nursery is just too small to contain all the children that are in there. So we're instead having two nursery rooms with a bathroom right between them, because we recognize things that need to change or improve, and we want to address that. On top of that, we recognize that we needed more space. We literally did not have enough space for all of our staff to have offices. We, we needed more classroom space as well, so we were adding on to the building. The entrance. We realized the entrance to the building was a little bit confusing for people. It wasn't exactly the most welcoming. And it makes sense. Because when that entrance on the west side of church was designed in the 1970s, it was designed to be, to be an office entrance during the week. Not for the congregation to all become streaming in on a Sunday morning. That was for over here on the east side of the church. But you know what? Things changed. 15, 20 years ago, maybe a bit more, that became the entrance the vast majority of the people used. And we realized that, that this makes a difference. And, and, you know, people being able to figure out, where do I enter the church? That was a challenge for some people. For all three of the architects that we interviewed for this building project, all of them started out by coming to that door over there. Because it wasn't obvious that was the main entrance. We want to make sure the main entrance is obvious and that it's welcoming for people who are coming to our church. And also we're just, you know, updating a bunch of things. Some things were worn. Some things... Um, were were safety issues. I mean, I think of the fact that back in the 70s when that addition was built, that that railing around the top of the stairs, it was up to code. Somehow the code back in the 70s allowed children, if they wanted to, to squeeze right through the railing and plummet. Thankfully, I'm not aware of that ever happening here at Freedance. But that's one of the things that we're updating, is to make sure the railings up to current codes that prevent kids from being able to squeeze through and plummet down to the floor below. And some of the updates that we're doing simply are to, to update some worn and outdated things. You know, if you've been in a place for a long time, you just kind of become accustomed to the way things are. But when newcomers come, when guests come, they look at things with fresh eyes. They see the, 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 the mismatched or worn paint on the walls. They see the broken ceiling tiles. They see the dark hallway. They see the outdated decorations. And where if we've been here for a while, we just get accustomed to that. New people who haven't been here before, oh, that kind of sticks right out to them and makes an impression. And first impressions do make a difference. Studies have shown that majority of people, they will make a decision if they are visiting a church for the first time, they will make a decision on whether or not to return within their first five minutes on church property. That is before the sermon comes. That's frequently even before the music starts. But first impressions really do make a difference. And so that's why we're updating various parts of the church. I mean, we're addressing a lot of practical needs because we want to be intentional in what we are doing so that the building will be a beneficial ministry tool rather than a hindrance or a drawback to what we are seeking to do here. It's been so encouraging just to see the support of the church family through this process. Last fall, we had a capital campaign. Um, and in this capital campaign to help fund this, the church family pledged nearly $1.2 million to help support this building project. That is amazing. I mean, thank you. I mean, that, the really crazy part about that is that $1.2 million is twice what a congregation of our size typically gives to a capital campaign. That is crazy, isn't it? That's amazing. Now, one of the aspects of a a fruitful capital campaign process and a funding process for building projects is that typically about a year after the original capital campaign, there's just a small follow-up process uh, for anyone who's interested in pledging. Because we recognize, okay, some people, um, they are a part of Freedom Search now, but didn't pledge to this building project. Perhaps it was that last year when this came around, you weren't quite sure what you thought about the building project. Or perhaps last year um, when you were going through the capital campaign, um, you were just facing some difficult circumstances in your life or financially, and it, you just weren't in a place for it at that point. Or maybe you were brand new when you were doing this last year. And you're like, ah, I'm brand new here. Don't think this is quite for me yet. Or, or maybe, maybe you weren't even here at all last year at this point. Now, I recognize that for others of us, many of us, I mean, we have pledged this. But maybe in the last year our financial situation has changed in a positive way. Or maybe it's that we've just been encouraged by what we've seen in the building project and we want to pledge uh, more. We want to increase our pledge. And so what's going to happen in the next few weeks, there's going to be a letter that goes out to really everyone in the church family. It's going to update people in the building project, on the, on the funding process. But then also in there is going to be an updated pledge card. It's going to go to everyone so we aren't singling anyone out. Um, but just giving an opportunity. Now, again, there's no pressure here with this because— you know, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. If you would like to pledge or increase your current pledge, you can return the card. If if you are praying about it and realize, no, I'm good with where I am, um, or I don't think so, just recycle the card. I mean, there's no pressure in this, uh, but it, we do want to give people an opportunity if you're interested. Now, I think uh, a key question in this is, what's the benefit of you know, pledging again or, or pledging more or pledging for the first time. Because we already had a, a very successful capital campaign. Let me list for you three potential benefits of giving in this. One giving is because, um, I lost my place in the notes here, but one building is to help um, have a smaller loan, or one reason is to help have a smaller loan. Because we haven't started taking out a loan yet, Thankfully. I mean, we've been able to fund uh, the project so far just through savings and through pledges that have been fulfilled thus far. But um, it helps us have a smaller loan. When we start drawing on the loan, we're going to start drawing in about a month or so probably. But it helps us to have a smaller loan or to pay off the loan more quickly, which is a great thing because then more money can go to ministry. A second reason is just to to help fund some additional aspects and additional costs to the project. For instance, last week they discovered some soil out here where the addition is going that was contaminated by oil. The testing and the cleanup of that um, is additional expense that does fall on us as a church. So it helps fund that type of thing. Or we want to expand uh, the original goals for the audiovisual side of the upgrades. We want to incre- improve the AV system in uh, Fellowship Hall, which will benefit many things, including our Ignite Wednesday Night Children's Ministry. Uh, we need to replace this projector soon. Um, and we'd like to install a... a brighter projector, the clearer projector, and also a wider screen just to make it easier when we want to have movie nights here at the church or for people just to be able to see uh, videos and pictures and lyrics and stuff like that on the screen. One of the other reasons uh, just for potentially contributing in this second round of the capital campaign is just for ownership. If you've not participated in this, in this process yet, helps you have ownership in this project that's going to far outlive any of us here at the church. Now, when we talk about discipleship, coming back to our original topic for today, discipleship is ultimately about people. You know a building? It's a ministry tool. Even a sermon, worship music, small groups, Bible studies, Ignite, our midweek student ministry, even food that takes place in Fellowship Hall after the service. These are all ministry tools that the goal of these things is to help people connect, help people ultimately grow as followers of Jesus. People like you and me. People who are out in the community who are not yet following Jesus. People who are moving to the community in the future. People who are not even born yet, but have the opportunity when they are born to become and grow as followers of Jesus. That is the goal to help people grow as maturing followers of Jesus. I want to close with just one kind of cool story. I know we have all kinds of cool stories of people growing and ministry impact, but let me just close with one. It's one that might kind of fly under the radar of a lot of us here at Freedon's, but it's a play group that meets on Wednesday mornings. Uh, It's a play group just of of moms um, and their kids along with some women who just kind of come without kids too because they enjoy that. And the core of this group is a group of women from Freedon's, But there are also a number of women involved from outside the church as well who are not involved in gospel-centered church. But the Freedens women have been active in inviting new people in, whether people they meet at the library, people they meet at the park, or people they meet in their neighborhood, inviting them in. And as as we look at the impact that these Freedens women are having here, these these women from freedens they're really living out the core characteristics of spiritual maturity. They're pursuing healthy, edifying relationships. They're embodying Christ-like character. They're representing Christ with grace and wisdom. They're serving others selflessly. And they're prioritizing intentional relationships. And, and in this group, as these people come in, I've heard over and over, because a number of these people, along with their husbands, their families, are getting involved more broadly relationally within the church. Um, they're, they're connecting with other activities as well. But I'm hearing over and over and over, directly and indirectly, about there's something different in a good way about this group compared to the other groups they're involved with. They talk about, you know, it's so different that the people here aren't gossiping and they aren't complaining about their husbands and they're, they're encouraging each other. And, and, I mean, just that in itself is a big difference for a lot of them, but they're also seeing the love for Christ that the women from Freedness have. We say here at the church that the gospel flows best over the bridge of Relationships and it's encouraging to think about the work that God is doing in the lives of those who are getting connected with people who love Jesus through this play group and then they get more broadly connected and we're praying just that God is using this just informal ministry to grow people as followers of Jesus because again ministry is about the people and we could look so many other places in the church as well formal ministries and unform, informal ministry that takes place just through relationships, that God is transforming lives all around us. And that is really the heartbeat of what we want to see here at Freedom. That we want to be people who love Jesus, who love each other, who are living contagious lives that as the love of Jesus flows through us, others around us are experiencing that love personally in their lives as well. And along the way, we get a lot of joy in the process. And on top of that, the kingdom of God is expanding, and God is the one getting glory. Let's pray. Our Father, you are the one who is to receive all the glory. Even as Paul talked about in Colossians chapter 1. I mean, we can toil and we can struggle, but it's ultimately with your strength if we want to build your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you will continue to guide us as a church. Thank you for your work through Freedoms, but we know it's your work, Lord. We are like branches attached to the vine. It's only as we're attached to you and as you work through us that we can bear fruit. And so, Lord, we ask that you will continue to guide us to the church. I pray that you will be pleased to work through us as your people to expand your kingdom so that more and more people will not only come to know Jesus, but will grow as maturing followers of Jesus. And we pray these things in his name and for his glory. Amen.